folks. Welcome to Young About That Day. I am Carl Hess. With me, as always, Joel Miller. Uh, We're back, baby. Uh, We're back. It's been a it's been a relaxing summer hiatus. Three weeks since you looked at me. It's been. Yeah. It's, we know we cannot start off with bare naked ladies. Let's focus. Uh, Joel just came from a punishing meal in San Gabriel Valley, so he's basically asleep. I will be doing the heavy lifting on this episode. Sluggish. Well, Joel's Joel's on that fucking get lean keto phase. It's not keto. It's not keto. No, because but you get one cheat day a week. Yeah, you know, well, whenever we want. So it's like one a so week. So it's basically low carb. It's like no carb. Okay. Yeah. I've done I've done some strict low carbing, and it can be difficult. Actually, it's it's shockingly easier than you would think because as long so as you can drink whiskey and eat a lot of steak, you're like, hey, I'm, I'm not even really drinking whiskey though. I'm drinking a lot of gin. Okay, just that, a bunch of gin. That's a good summer. I'm all about botanicals. Yeah, yeah dude. drinking gin. Yeah. You can get a big bubble glass with I'm various just like, how botanicals. How many botanicals in there? Twenty? I don't want. I this don't shit. want it. I need at least twenty-five botanicals before I'm happy. There you go. Well, you look lean as hell. Thanks, man. I feel I feel bad today, but I've mostly for the for the most part I feel. Good. But this is good. This this is actually good because you you go healthy, then you have one cheat day where you just pile it on. Yeah, but and I, then you feel gross, but, and you're like, I'm back to so healthy this tomorrow. This is like week three or whatever. That's a healthy whatever. way to approach and things. Like, right? And like as and as it goes on, like the cheat day gets like less cheaty. I would say, like I'm just like right because you like, want to be healthy. No, because like now I'm just like. Man, I really can't wait to eat a salad. That's with the like genius. Steak or something, that's you know? the genius of the cheat day. You sh- you show yourself that you're like, this is good, but when you fucking stuff your face, you feel gross and you want to be healthy the next day. It wasn't even like I ate a whole lot. Like it was. Yeah, just- you did. Shit. It was no, but like if you think about it, it tell wasn't me, tell enough. me, tell the listeners about the meal you just told me. Uh, uh, with, went with a buddy and just shared a beef roll. At no, no, no. The the meal before you started doing low carb. Your final, oh, your the, final hurrah. Oh yeah. So the final hurrah was uh, a twelve course omakase for lunch at Shinji, and then and and crushing a bottle of sake. And That's a amazing beers, sushi. Which is amazing sushi. It's delicious. People think it's brown rice, but it's not. It's like white rice that has probably like some soy sauce in it or something mm-hmm. like that. It's delicious though. It's unbelievable. If you haven't been out there, it's in Santa Monica, right on Pico, just uh, east of Bundy. Um, then after that, we're like, you know, pretty, pretty all right. Like feeling pretty lit up I hope. for a, for a, for a, you know, a 12, 31 o'clock on a Wednesday, headed over to Apple Pan, both crushed hickory burgers oh and fries. You did Apple Pan for dessert on a 12 course omakase. No, no, no. That was mid. That was the mid. <laughs> and then we were like, fuck it. We want some wine because they don't serve any booze over right. at Apple Pan. Right. You were so, thirsty. And, and you were once oh, again I thirsty. thirsty. I was parched. I was like... <laughs> You know, I was really, really thirsty, so I went uh, over to Roberta's, and we got some anchovies and butter. Oh, my God. Uh, That's so good. And we got some uh, duck duck prosciutto. That bread. And the bread. You don't even have to get pizza at Roberta's. No, you don't. It's like Cosa. You can go there and be perfectly happy without pizza. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, differences like, you know, Cosa doesn't have pasta, Roberta's has pasta. That's true. Um, and honestly, so you're I, drinking I like wine. Roberta's, but p- p- the pasta's not very good. You're drinking wine. I'm drinking, and we're just drinking wine, so we got a bottle of wine, and then the GM knows me and, and Dave. Flex. She came She came up, and she was like, oh, you got to try these, like, three different wines. Poured us, like, a glass uh, each. So we're just, like, pretty not great. Wine and anchovies for dessert. That's the pretty fucking not great. The I lifestyle. Ended up, I ended up taking, like, about a two-hour midday nap. Ah, you guys, that's you do. And then... Yeah, Siesta, if you will. Uh, well, that's that's a good blowout meal. Yeah, it was it was a great blowout meal. No, I felt I didn't feel great after that, but I feel I feel pretty good. Now you're a healthy, right. boy. I'm going the other way. I just I we were on hiatus. I was in Europe. I was in uh, Berlin, Copenhagen, Amsterdam. That's right. And I was drinking a lot of natural wine, but I also just started drinking so much beer. And you know me, I, I'm not a huge beer guy. I'm like 90% wine these days. But like when you're in like Berlin, and it's just like, did you get a Stein? A Stein you know, I beer. never drank a Stein. They actually do like, like in Amsterdam, they do like smaller glasses, but like they're little, like, like little boots. No, like in Amsterdam, like everyone just Booties, drinks Heineken on tap, but it's like, you know, you get like these little, I don't know, they're like less than a pint, but I would drink like, you know, 10 of them because everyone just, you just keep ordering them. Social, social drinking, man. Not to say that I didn't have some amazing natural wine uh, as well. You know, there's strong natural wine scenes in all those cities. Copenhagen's been at yeah. the forefront of the natural wine thing for a long time. Uh, obviously because of Noma and such, but I just, I just drank so much beer and it was like, oh, you, you get, good, you get sluggish. You look good. Though. Well, the thing is I was biking for like four hours a day. That's right. how the Europeans do it. Yeah. They, they, they eat hard and they drink a lot of beer, but then everyone just rides a bicycle yeah. and I it mean, just evens it's, out. It's all evening out. It's all it's like Jerry, you know, like one friend is up, one friend eh, is down. Eh, it, it all just kind of evens out for you in the middle. <laughs> 
I actually think that saved me because all all three of those cities are really bike centric. And I rode a bike probably at least two or three hours a day. But you're a big walking guy. If it wasn't a bike-centric town, you'd probably just walk places too. I know, but I feel like a bike might be a better workout. Uh, yeah, no, a bike's a great workout. Plus, you cover way more ground. I love walking, and I did do a fair amount of walking. But, of course. I, you know, you get on that bike, you get a few drinks in you, and then you're like, ah, bike around. There you go. Let's see what's going on. So you had a good trip. Uh, it was a fantastic Successful trip. Successful trip. I, you I, ate some crazy, you ate like a disco spaceship with like... So, I think this is like the Vespertine of Europe. It's in Copenhagen. It's new. Uh, it's this young chef. It's called Seance. It's called, Al- <laughs> it's called Alchemist. And no. I, I don't know if you saw my... Instagram story when you so it's in kind of like an industrial warehouse zone you roll up and there's this 10 foot like engraved door that looks like the door to like a fucking sorcerer's castle no and there's like there's like background music being piped outside that's like wow yeah this is that's basically vespertine it's like the fucking it's like some lord of the rings karth shit and you're like this is the house of illusions and in the door you walk Game toward the Thrones door karth shit. yeah that's what i meant <laughs> uh you know wow wow my brain wow. is addled by travel no but then you walk toward it and it just starts opening on its own and look, the uh, the meal is over fifty courses. It's over four hours long. Over fifty. Well, they're all like bites, but no, it's no, over fifty that. plates, and it's four plus hours, and there's multiple rooms, and it was like a lot. There like, was like an escape room where the, you had to eat a, a croque monsieur the, off a mousetrap. I wish the main part of the meal is in this big domed room. You kind of feel like you're in. It, I was saying it was like the Pink Floyd laser light show of cuisine because it was like kind of cheesy, but it's also like. Oh, there's like the northern lights happening on a big laser dome. Aurora, like, this is cool. Aurora Borealis. Happening in this, uh, this Nordic restaurant <laughs> localized entirely within this dome. Yes. Can I see it? No. No. Uh, you have to pay. But yeah, I'm it assuming three hundred dollars. It was. It was more than that. And you know, it would be like cherry blossoms, and it would be space, and it would be the northern lights. And you know, all the bites were like it was very like molecular gastronomy, like. But then there was also weird shit, like they brought a mold of a human head and they opened the head, and there's foie gras inside, and there was like naturally, yeah, they, there was like lamb brains in a jar, and they'd fish it out. It, it, it was like, but it also had like a message. It was like, oh, you know, talking about sustainability, and it was like, there, here's a fish dish, and. Like, it looked like it was full of plastic, but the plastic was edible. But then it was like, they gave you stats about all the plastic in the ocean. I don't want, I don't want to be shamed during my meal. It was very woke. I don't want to, I don't want a woke meal. You know what I want? I want to sit there. I want the server to ask if I want more water or wine. I want to leave me the fuck alone. One dish was like chicken feet that was presented in a cage. And they were like, this is the size of a cage that an industrial chicken grows up in. And then you would take the feet out and there was a bit of meat on the end, but then they would. So it was like, there was a message, but some of it was weird. Like one of the desserts came in a plastic udder and you sucked it out of the udder. It was like sweet. It was like sweet milk. No, they basically, no, they gave you you go-gurt. That's yes, all they did. They it was advanced gogurt. They just no. They probably just put go. They snipped in. They're like these fucking people will pay money for. <laughs> I this. know gogurt when I taste gogurt. This was this, this was not. It was pure basically go-gurt. elevated gogurt. But I mean, the meal itself was great. Like, you know, there was a lot of like. Did you walk out feeling like you got your money's worth? I definitely did. I mean, it was so long, and we drank so much. That, like, by the end, we were very satiated. We went to, like, this lounge, and, like, they give you Amaro's, and, you know, there's, like, eight desserts. But it's just, like... That is that is seven too many desserts. It's just funny. It's a place that I probably wouldn't have gone on my own, but my friend wanted to go, and I was down for it. And it's also, like, you know, it's a singular culinary experience. I, there's no other restaurant in the world that's like that, for better or worse. It was some parts were a little over the top. When they put down the human head, it has fucking eyebrows and, like... And then they just open it up. Yeah, they brought out a guy that was like balancing on a ball, juggling three bowling pins, right. but only one was edible. Right. And you, like, had you, to have, you had to get quick enough reflexes to you grab the right one. Out. But I will say, like, you know, when they opened the head, that dish was like foie gras on a cracker, like made of foie gras. And it was fucking great. Well, I can't imagine. It was like, do I need it to bad. be in a head? No, probably not. But no, they could have just served it to you and been like, I also like this. I will say, I had uh, lamb brains, I think, for the first time. And um, they were really fucking good. They were like, they were like, I guess, marinated in like cherry essence. They like pulled them out of a jar. Ah, yes, the essence. It looked like an 1800s like doctor, like sawbone. It's like, it had like this apothecary jar and he's pulling brains out of it. And you know what? 
I had had brains at like, you know, taco stands in LA and then like, they're always like a little, maybe like too squishy brains once at animal and that's it. I gotta say the, the, the lamb brains were fantastic. And then in Amsterdam, I went to this very French restaurant and they gave me veal brains in a tomato consomme. It was amazing. Yeah. It was like, and it was like loose brain. Like, so they serve it to you. The brains are in a terrine and then they pour the consomme over it and the heat from the consomme kind of cooked the brains, but it's still like, they're just like raw. Yeah. And I was like, this is going to be weird. I'm eating raw brains. They were so good. Do you feel smarter now? I mean, I would. <laughs> I've I've gained that baby cow's power. Yeah, there if you that's go. what you're asking. I've become more docile than ever. I mean, I guess that is like classic French shit. They're like eat some veal brains and uh, it makes you strong. Uh, not, I mean, as long as it was tasty, it looked like you had a lot of good food. Yeah. And there was a lot of like high end, like Iberico, like there was a 24 month age, like reserve Hamoni Iberico de Bellota, like on a cracker that was also like made of ham. And it was like, yeah, of course this is great. It's ham on ham. Ham on ham, dude. Ham on, that's all I really want. Ham on everything. I, you know, I would, I would go to a 50 course ham tasting venue. Ham Akase. Oh I, I, no one steal that idea. I'm making that. That would be... So tired. Amakase. I would feel. I would. Just, I would. You need, get gout. I would, I would need an IV of just like some kind a of vegetable, like, a vitamin C. Yeah, just like coursing through my. At veins. the twenty third course, we bring out the vitamin C IV, lest you contract gout. <laughs> I feel like I was fighting off gout that whole trip. Like gout was always like a little bit behind me, and I was like, "Not today, gout!" Yeah. And I'd like and you zip off bike, on a bicycle yeah. and like eat a little bit of spinach, just enough and to then stave smoke it off. some weed. I'm sure. No, I wasn't really smoking that much. No, you, weed. Weed. you know, you go to Amsterdam from California, it's not a big deal. It's like, I'm like we have, we have legal yeah. weed. Yeah, like, I guess this that, like, isn't... used to be a big deal. Oh, yeah. Like, if I had been 18 there, it would have been a whole different thing. But it's whoa, like, whoa, man, you can yeah, smoke like, in Oh, the you cafe. can smoke weed here, man. So, hey, had a frappuccino and some OG Kush. Well, it's funny. <laughs> like, in Copenhagen, there's Christiania, which is like a anarchist uh, collective in the middle of the city. It's been there for hundreds of years. There's no, like, quote, unquote, no laws. You're, like, kind of allowed to smoke weed there even though you're not. But everyone goes there to smoke weed, basically. And you go there, and it's just like, can you believe this, man? We're smoking weed. And it's like... I live in California. It's like, I, don't know, man. Like, I, live in, I live in California. I go downtown. There's like just guys just like openly doing heroin yeah, on the yeah, streets. Yeah, like this is it's it's fine, but it's just like it's exactly. We had like what these two, this couple across the street from Stretto on Broadway, just openly doing heroin. Well, that's the downtown time. charm. And and like a cop like rolled by, looked at them, and then just drove away. That guy doesn't want the hat. You know how much paperwork that guy is do. Just he's he's like mm, I don't know, mm, probably not. Just let let them rock. Let let them let them do what they got to do. They come in and get a white claw after out of Stretto. I'm thinking about. So we have like a t- couple. Tabs Wait, do you guys open. sell white claw? We don't sell white claw because I've been seeing a lot of white claw content on no, your social no, media. No, well, because we will our people will bring them to us. Okay. Uh, moreover than anything else, bring any Joel of, a white claw at East Stretto and the South Broadway in downtown Los Angeles. He's working very hard. You will. You will. Abs- he deserves a claw. You will. You will absolutely not get a discount if you do it. I will, but I will, but I will say thank you very much. No, we we have a tap open on our, our taps, you know, and uh, we're thinking about batching something, and we would call it tight claw. Oh, and I think it would sell because it's pretty delicious. Well, as you said earlier, there is apparently a white claw shortage it in is, Los Angeles. How how long will it take to flood this place with white claw? <laughs> Way longer than five minutes. I can tell you that much, man. That that would be great, though. A a house hard seltzer that you have on tap. And be like, you don't need the claw, baby. You got tight yeah, claw. It's tight claw, man. You know, since our last discussion, I've tried white claw, and it's fine. But I which, realized which one. I think I had. I don't even remember. Because there's all in a, in, a, in a it's like having children. Like there's always like a couple that you don't really like. You know what I mean? Especially if I like. What's seven. your favorite? Um, the I I want to try the grapefruit. For lack grapefruit of, for is like, my favorite. Yeah, for lack of like saying like to be like uh, whatever, like, grapefruit is probably the tastiest. Okay. Um, but just the plain, it's just pure. They call it pure. It's I didn't even pure, know that was the thing. Pure claw. That's the only thing you can. What's really it taste find. like? Like like nothing. like nothing in vodka, I suppose. It tastes like, like power. Like yeah, it tastes um, like dominance. But like. What we'll do is like we'll get a we'll get a white claw here and then throw some like orange bitters in it. Oh yeah, and then there you go, Bob's your uncle. That's why I just saw that there was some fucking I think it was like in the New Yorker or some major publication about like why white claw had become so popular is because like in a drinks culture that has become 
you know, somewhat complex and you got to know about Amaro's and this and natural wine and this. White Claw is just like easy. It's unpretentious. You crack it open. You drink it. It's the, it's the, it's the Mike's Hard Lemonade people, man. Dude, that's fucking genius on their part. They're yeah. like, hard lemonade sales are down. We need to reposition. I can't imagine that hard the- lemonade sales were ever up. There was a time when Mike's was cruising. Do you remember Tequiza? Yes. Yes, I do. <laughs> I remember when Zima and Tequiza came on the scene. Was, was Tequiza the same company as Zima? I, I, no, I don't think so. Te- uh, tequiza, tequiza was like tequila-flavored Zima. Zima. But, uh, kind of. It was like tequila beer. Like, but it, it, was like, it was like Smirnoff Ice Tequila. But it didn't I have like hard alcohol in it, did it? You know, I'd have to really look it up. I never, I never uh, bought it. I, I tried one once, just like Zima. I've tried one once, and it was one of those things where I was like, "Oh my god, you have one? Let me try it." And I took a sip. I was like, "Well, I don't want to drink." Well, this I at don't all. want this yeah, at all. No, there's like no. That's reason. kind of the thing when I had the claw. I was like, took a sip. I was like, "This is fine. I could easily drink this whole thing. I don't really want to." Oh, see, the thing is, like, I want to. Like, mm. I actively want to. You know what Claw needs? It needs, like, a cultural phenomenon, like what happened with Smirnoff Ice, where people were, like, icing each other. It became it's a meme. It's already existing. There's yeah, but what sh- is the Claw thing? What do you mean? What's the you Claw You know what's thing? insane? Um, Remember last... I'm um, being mean to your girlfriend and punching drywall. That's what the right. Claw thing well, is. That's just... <laughs> Okay, that's or like or like or like, or like yelling at your right. boyfriend in public, hurting you know? yourself on a jet ski. It's yeah. the claw lifestyle. Like just standing, like being right. a girl and trying to coyote ugly on a card table and then falling slipping to your, off. Yeah, slipping and falling to your death. Getting arrested at Lake Havasu. Yeah. That's white claw culture. Getting arrested in the Hamptons and then saying, "What? You don't know my dad? You don't know my dad?" Claws. White claw. <laughs> white claw. White claw. Don't you know you who know, my dad don't is? You know who my dad is. But I'm saying, like, what happened with Smirnoff Ice, where icing people became a thing. It was funny. People were doing it ironically, but they were also buying the product and drinking it. White claw needs, like, like I, I don't know, but it needs something like that. Like you just like. But I, I do feel Fre- like Freddy Krueger, someone's face. I do feel like it's the first hard seltzer to to access popular culture in that way. Because the last episode we were talking about, we were making up theme songs for it, and you were like. When you're drinking claws, there's no laws or something. And then I swear to God, two days later, I'm scrolling on Instagram and I see a sponsored post from a fucking country singer. And the song is, when you're drinking claws, there ain't no laws. No, it's literally, when there ain't no laws, when you're drinking claws. That'd be there's a country music song about White Claw. That'd be so great if there was some kind of like purge-esque kind of thing where like if you were drinking a White Claw, anything goes. <laughs> like it's, it's like a guy sees like, like, stop murdering that old homeless oh, man. Oh, oh you oh. have a white claw raspberry. That's fine. Carry on, sir. It's the purge. I know who your dad is. There's one night a year when everything is legal, but you have to be drinking white claws while you do it. Uh, it would work. Well, there ain't no laws. It was actually a pretty catchy song. I was like, this guy, this guy's going viral. He's the, he's the next little Nas X. This is the next little Old Town Road over here. And they never Word. heard from him and again. There ain't no laws when you're drinking the claws. See, it has cross. It has cross genre appeal. It has transgenerational appeal. He's really popular in like College Station, Texas. Have you heard that song? I haven't. Oh. I also haven't heard a lot of stuff. Okay. Well, next time you're gonna be scrolling Instagram, you're gonna see the sponsored post, and you're gonna be like, "Oh my god." They're listening, so I'm probably. It's probably gonna happen. (laughs) Who? God, Mike's Hard Lemonade, genius. Is it? Dude, is it? You know, there's like one guy. They have this thing called Twisted Tea now. So if you take a Twisted That's Tea, been around if you, forever. If you take a Twisted Tea and you mix it with a with the Mike's Hard Lemonade, what do you got? I don't know. <laughs> Something terrible that I. Don't. Well, it's like it would be an Arnold Palmer, but what do you call that? Uh, a Arnold Palmer. Boom! Nah. I'm a professional comedian. No, no. A fucking Arnold Palmer. Print it. Make a country song about it. Uh, Carl's going on break for the next five to ten. Uh, Sorry, guys. You just got me. Ah. Uh, I, I like picturing like a Mike's Hard Lemonade sales meeting. They're like, Hard Lemonade, sales are down in the third financial quarter. Uh, what should we do? Different flavors, some sort of, some sort of, uh, some sort of hard sweet tea, gentlemen. We need a plan. They're like, and no, then, no, 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 can't have that much sugar. And then sugar. like one guy like just comes in like hungover, drinking a fucking Topo Chica, yeah, you know, like a, or like a Lacroix, and he's like, and he's like, sips of Lacroix, looks at the fucking chart, and he's just like. What if, looks at the can, looks at the chart, what if there was booze in this? It was a real goodwill hunting moment, man, you know? <laughs> Unsolvable, cl- like, seltzer problem. Who solves it? Dude, whatever that company is, Mike's Heart It was Heart actually Lemonade. like the janitor, it was like the Flaming Hot Cheetos Dude, thing. that is a real goodwill, they're making a movie about that. About him? Yes! 
What's it and called? I don't know. It should be called fucking Hot Will Hunting. Everyone was making fun of it on Twitter because they didn't know the real story. And then I was like, no. Look into the actual story. This dude was the janitor and he became a fucking millionaire. He's, from like, the, he's like the he's like probably like a billionaire. Isn't if it? you don't know that story, I mean you'll know it. Eva Longoria we've, is like we've, producing this we've movie. We've talked about this before. We were know. ahead of the curve. Mm-hmm. Ava Longoria stealing our shit. Yeah, I know. Man. You'll be hearing from our legal team forthwith, Miss Longoria. <laughs> I mean, it is an amazing story. And, and the lawsuit's been settled. We got nothing. <laughs> well, uh, what, what else? What else is happening? It's it's National Cheeseburger Day. I, I so I had a half. You you had a half. I went to you had an Everson Royce bar. I went to Everson Royce bar. Got a glass of chocolina and a and a burger. That was great. I do want to give a shout out to I did a uh, I I judged a Bloody Mary garnish competition yesterday as one does, and uh, I was I was at a pop up that Kroner Burger was doing at Big Bar in Los Feliz. Yeah, gotta say that burger is a fantastic burger. Honestly, I wasn't like I've only had it once. I had it when we went to Animal, and I didn't really like it that much. This was it, it's really good, and, and that's just me. Sorry, John Croner Burger. It's Chris Croner. Chris well, here's Croner. The, here's the thing about it. We're we're in this. I know nothing. We're in this Smash Burger uh, moment right now, where everyone likes a thin griddled patty with the meat lace, which I like. You know, I love burgers never say die. Sure. But he does a rare patty that's made from really high quality dry aged dairy cow beef and he has that he gets a nice like sear on one sear side. on both sides but the middle is still rare it's served rare and you and i feel like you don't get a high quality meat burger that's served rare in the proper way a lot uh, so i think that's kind of I, I think I, it's rare it just depends it depends where you go like if i go to cassell's and i order a rare burger it's going to be a rare burger cassell's has a great if has I, a great if, rare I, burger. if i go to father's office it's gonna be rare but if i go I'm trying to think of like anywhere. Do would you do would like, you order it rare? I, I feel like, like I always order medium rare. I order I order rare. I like actually opt to order rare like at uh, like places that I'm not familiar with because like most places have a tendency to overcook things. So if I mm. order medium rare, it'll come out like medium. That's what I'm saying. I, well. I I think a lot of places do do that, and I appreciate how Corona Burger is like cooked perfectly, but still rare, like it says it is, because that's he has the classic burger that's served rare with a, uh, a white cheddar mayo, which is amazing. And then he also does a cheese one, which is cooked medium rare, that actually has cheese. But the, the classic doesn't have cheese, but it has a white cheddar mayo, which I think almost superior to cheese because the way that yeah. it melts. It really gets in there. Yeah. With no, the I mean, it, it, looked, it looked very good. And I think, it was, I think it was probably a very nice burger. I was very disappointed when we went to Animal and paid a premium and then we got the supplemental bone marrow and there was no marrow on that bone. Mm. And I feel like that is a, f- a, a kitchen problem. You shouldn't mm. send that out. We want a hefty marrow bone. I just want, well, I want, when I, I want some marrow. When I went to the, the pop-up that he did uh, with uh, Pizzeria Badia at Hail Mary Pizza, mm-hmm. uh, I got a very hefty marrow bone because it was the burger and the pizza. Oh, yeah. And I was, I was like, there's a lot of marrow. Yeah, well, that's good. Is, this is well, one. maybe they maybe they changed suppliers. You know, <laughs> I, I got a new marrow bone guy. I got a marrow guy. You, you don't need, worry; these bones are full of marrow. You need some. You need some marrow. Get you some marrow. Talk to Jimmy Marrow over there. Huh? I got a guy. I got a guy. I got. A, you got a guy. You got a marrow guy. If you have a marrow guy. You're pretty cool. Goddamn, I will say. I, I want a marrow guy. Who doesn't? Well, who's got the best bone marrow in town? I feel like I, I never eat bone marrow. Bestia. Bestia. Yeah. Mm. Bestia is really good. Well, I don't know if I'm gonna have a cheeseburger today because I'm not. I don't like to be told by governing bodies what I can eat on specific days. I didn't even know we were just eating it, and then uh, every sitting, day is somebody, something day. Somebody sitting next to us who go like, like they were eating a cheeseburger and kind of like looked over and like gave us like the like the, the shoulder like the the elbow nudge, and I was like, what? And he's hashtag like, hashtag national like, cheeseburger you know, day. Like, you know, it's a you know it's national cheeseburger day, and we're like, who? What? Shut up! Fuck up, man! Like. That's why we're here, actually. But I also like it. Like, on the one hand, it's stupid, but on the other hand, it's like, oh, like, if, if it's going to drive business for cool places that on a National Cheeseburger Day to do a special and everyone has a good time, then, you know, I'm all for it. Yeah. I but mean, I want to know who the shadowy governing body, who's doing it? The Bilderberg Group? The Council on Foreign Relations? Who's making these decisions? It's, it's actually all Trump does now. He's just like, I don't want to do Sir, sir, we else. need to fill this calendar. Oh, that's, uh, that's going to be a cheeseburger. 
It's cheeseburger day. It's fried I chicken still day. am in awe of the fact that he eats two filet of fish and two Big Macs with a chocolate shake almost every day. But that, he t- but that's he, insanity. He, he takes the bread off. Just the Big Macs, apparently. Yeah, yeah. Uh, if, if the reports are to be... And that doesn't make any sense either. He's doing low carb? What, he cares about health now? He's at least but healthy no, the weird thing is just like, the Big Mac, the whole point is that, that third I know. piece of bread in the middle. Trump's on that Trump's on that low carb life like you. You and Trump slimming down for the, for the fall. Health... Hot girl summer is over. It's healthy boy autumn, bro. Nothing. It's healthy boy fall, and you and Trump are getting lean We're and getting... fucking mean. It'd be so tight if you saw like Trump in like six months. He's, he's all like, ripped. He's just, no, I've not ripped. Not ripped. Just he like the keto he, works. He just folks, we love the keto. No, he we was just love a, it. a little. Folks, we love the keto. He was just like ketosis, li- folks. We love it. Yeah, he was a little thinner, but his like neck gobble was just like dangling, <laughs> dangling more. He gets a trainer. He's like, I want to cut down on the gobble. The cow, it, it's so gross. Oh, I get, looking at that gobble, can't do it. We're just looking at his weird face is gross. Uh, well, that's true. Um, what else? But there are many liberals that look just as disgusting, I will say. That's ever, all, all politicians look gross. Uh, hey, that, what, what are you talking about? Yeah, they're no, uh, no hunky food podcasters that, like us. You're talking about that Bernie Sanders can still get it. Yeah, dude, Bernie. You see pictures of young Bernie? I look, call him granddaddy. Young Bernie looks fucking... Like the man, I want to sm- burn one yeah, down with young burn. I want to feel the burn, baby. <laughs> young granddaddy burn. Um, what else? Local news. Uh, Combi just won Bon Appetit's best new restaurant of the year. So no. now it's going to be impossible to get that fucking I sandwich. I don't know if I'm supposed to be excited about that because I feel nothing. Yeah, I mean it's good for them. I, I, no, it's great. It's, it's great. I mean, I think it's always great. To receive some kind of accolade for yeah. anything, especially Echo Park Pride, yeah. I think it a does speak one. to the importance of the Instagramability of a place now. Like we all know it, but like if that sandwich didn't look the way it would, and people want to Instagram it, it's like it's a good sandwich. It's a well-made egg salad sandwich, but it's not like transcendent. Yeah, exactly. That's what that's that that therein lies the problem. <laughs> It is interesting that Ototo, which is right down the way, which we love, shout out to the top 10 guests. More than my own family. Uh, I think their katsu sando, the, the chicken one that's on the menu there, it's much better than uh, combi. The best katsu sando I've had is still at Orsi and Winston. Orsi yeah, but that's like, that's like, that sandwich is insane. He's like a pound of butter. Yeah, it's not, how, how much is it? It's, it's like $16. I feel like it's, it's not as accessible as the Ototo one. No, no, you can walk in there any time during lunch and get it. It's actually less <laughs> it of a. It took them like twenty five minutes <laughs> it, to make. It, it takes them. We were like, "What is he doing back there?" He's or, like, or you a block spend, of or, butter, or you can spend an hour waiting in line at Combi. Which one's better? That's the thing. I mean, I like how Combi has put an umbrella and benches outside because there's always such a crowd. But like, I'm not gonna wait for a fucking egg salad sandwich. I I I respect people who wait because I it respect. shows it shows dedication, yeah, it shows dedication. to to what they want. Not my do. bag. Not my bag. But uh, I'm I will not wait. I will not wait in line for mm. food. What's the longest you've ever waited for a food item, you think? Uh, Hall and Ray's? The first time I went to Hall and Ray's, I waited for 30 minutes. Mm. That's it. I've never waited again. I went to the Family Style Food Fest this past weekend. And uh, shout out to uh, John Yao. And uh, saw John. Shout out to Bert. Saw Bert Backman. There you go. Slab barbecue. Heavy but the weights. thing is, that food fest, it was cool. They had great food there. The lines were fucking huge. Yeah. It's like I don't want to go to food fest and just wait in line. Yeah, because they can't because the because the greed is so overwhelming. Ooh, it's true. Joel's launching a new diet track. No, it's just like in uh, in like most festivals now, it's not it's too accessible, mm. and so you can go there and you can buy a ticket. But the, I I think the problem is they don't cap things or they don't have like people monitoring. Stuff. Well, you know where you don't have to wait for a delicious food experience, a moose bouche. Uh, no, you do. You uh, have to wait for tickets. Well, that's true. And you also have to wait to see if tickets are re-released after they get sold out. That's true. We Love will be the doing, new logo. We will be doing another Moose Boosh in October. Stay tuned for ticket announcements and follow at Set your Amuse- dial to Yap for Set your dial. Stay tuned, folks. Uh, st- uh, follow at Amoose LA on Instagram. We will be releasing some news soon. As opposed to that Amoose Boosh in Scranton. That God sucks. In your face, other... A Moose Bouche account. There's probably multiple ones, but a Moose Bouche LA, we will be announcing exciting news shortly. Also, uh, exciting news right now. We're, uh, it's time for our second ever in the field uh, interview. Oh, wow. We, we did a Howlin' Rays, top 10 guest, Johnny Rays. We're, Ray's we're going to the field, baby. It was a fantastic episode. We had a lot of fun down there at Howlin' Rays. If you haven't listened to that episode, go do it. But uh, we figured if we were going to go into the field for delicious food, 
Why not go into the field for delicious wine? Oh, yeah. Um, so I, I think right now is probably a, a good time to throw it to Carl and Joel in the field. Carl and Joel? Thanks, Carl and Joel. We're here in the field at the one and only Bar Bandini. Yeah. LA's finest bar. Uh, with sitting right to my right, Mr. Jason Pigeot, the wine director and owner of Bar Bandini. Jason, welcome to the show. Hello, guys. Thanks hey. for having us. Cheers. 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 Salud. Oh, yes. Drinking a delicious skin contact Sicilian. Oh, is it Sicilian? Uh, no. Lazio. Just from uh, Lazio. Of uh, Rome. Roma. Well, it's delicious. Yeah. Um, Summertime lemonade. If you know me, <laughs> you know Barbandini is my favorite bar. I think uh, a case could be made for it being. Do you come here? I, you know, occasionally. I've seen oh, you. I've seen yeah. you here once or occasionally. twice. Occasionally. Say hello next time. Uh, I'll wave. <laughs> You're actually never even here anymore. You're only here during the day, Instagramming the bottle. So that's that's your. <laughs> if you don't follow Barbandini on Instagram, they have the best Instagram in the game. Uh, you know, Instagram Instagram stories is an art. As we all know, it's the modern art form. Truly. And uh, I think you're uh, one of its best uh, uh, proponents. Yeah, it means a lot coming from it's, you, Carl. You know what it is? It's lighting. If you've never been to Barbandini, at night, it's very dark. But there's l windows on each side. So during the day, you get this gorgeous natural light. Beautiful natural and, light. And, you know, it, like a bottle like this. Oh, look at that color. Oh, this As is, they can see. This is like <laughs> summer course. lemonade, folks. I'm, I'm holding a liter bottle of gorgeous, almost golden straw colored yeah. uh, skin contact wine have to point the camera in that direction and you're golden um so first of all i'd like to say congrats to you as i think your four-year anniversary was yesterday this past is, sunday. is that accurate this past sunday yeah well congrats two days ago Thanks. cheers yeah. cheers to so four years oh, of bandini let's get another oh, cheers <laughs> joel's lying on the ground I'm, joel's I'm, lying on the couch i'm literally just so sluggish and groggy right now uh, this wine will revive you so why don't you tell us a little bit about how you initially conceived of this bar and came to open it? Because I think it was LA's first dedicated natural wine bar. Yes. Uh, definitely. And, you know, nat natural wine is, has been a movement since the 90s in France or what have you. But I think you were kind of its first vanguard in Los Angeles. Yeah. Officially the first uh, natural wine bar to open up in LA. Okay, so, so tell us a little bit about how that came to be. Uh, well, I've been in the wine game for a while. Uh, I ran a place in uh, New York City called The Room, which was in Soho, which was kind of a eclectic uh, beer and wine bar. Uh, we opened up a- The Room? Yeah. Yeah, I've been there. We opened up a sister location in Venice here in LA oh, called right. The Other Room yes. on Abikini oh, in yeah. 2005. Yep. And that's when I came out to open that up. And yeah, just sort of as uh, the business progressed and my own sort of wine journey progressed, uh, you know, I would go back to New York a lot and uh, went to Ten Bells when they first opened up. That place rules. I recently went there on a New York trip for the first time and it is, it's like very European vibes. Yes. Great natural wine, great small plates oysters just the just the vibe old candles in there yeah, yeah. it's like a it's like a wine cave dark yeah, yeah. <laughs> so so that you you drew some inspiration for that uh yeah that's i believe that was the first natural wine bar in uh new york was it that was the first one yeah wow and so they're gonna be opening an echo park i heard so that goes the rumor yeah yeah so uh, goes the rumor. i've seen their location i'm sure they're uh pushing it through the city right now okay. as as you do when you're opening up a yeah new you need some you need some competition you're like <laughs> you're like that runner that's blown well past the pack and you right. need someone to come out here and fucking get on your level it's coming for sure i mean there's a lot of uh, great natural wine all up and down uh sunset you have uh kismet mm -hmm. uh, tabula rasa night and market does great wine that's right night market yeah. song yeah uh there's gonna be a new location opening up on uh on virgil Ooh. As well. That, is that oh, the, that's is right. That the Vino Voodoo, Voodoo, Voodoo Vin. Vin. That's yeah. right. That's going to be near Melody. Shout yeah. out to Melody. Yeah. Great people. Which also does, you know. Me yeah. Melody's a great place to wine. drink natural wine. Yeah. We just need to organize like a little uh, party bus to go up and down yes. uh, Sunset. That's a great idea. Yeah. We're going to work on that. We're going to co-produce No that. headache. The natural wine party bus. No hangovers. Uh, you get a little fucking anchovies and burrata on a, on a toast when you get in. I'm, I'm sold. 
would have to be solar powered or exactly you know, vegetable. Uh, it's powered by good ideas. Negative carbon footprint. Positive thoughts. Uh, <laughs> I love this idea. It'll be an old school bus. The driver will be like an old French dude with like several scarves. He's like constantly smoking rollies. Hey, get on. It is a, it is a wine tour for you. It is a wine tour for me. He's, he's swigging bottles as he drives. This is a great idea. I feel like we can really monetize that. Yeah, no, you're running with it. I like it. Well, you know, it. Um, on a serious note, though, I, I do think that the public's thirst, literally, and desire for natural wine has skyrocketed in the last few years. And, I mean, what do you think in terms of, like, the movement? Because, obviously, you know, some detractors are like, oh, natural wine, it's a fad, blah, blah, blah. But, obviously, people who know more about it know that it's rooted in a serious movement and, you know, it, it actually has underpinning ideals that are really attractive to a lot of people. Yeah. Why do you think that uh, p- people are like, everyone wants aboard the natural wine train right now? Uh, well, firstly, I don't think it's a fad. I think it's just a return to ancestral methods of right. making wine. A pre-industrial you know, method using, that... Using chemicals and manipulating wine is, is a fad. Right. Yeah, <laughs> yeah that's the fad. Yes. Industrialization is yeah. really the fad. Yes. That shit's on the way really, out, baby. A really lucrative fad. That shit's right. on the way out. I love the idea that someone was telling me that, like, in the 90s, the, the gang of four, uh, right. these four French winemakers. In Beaujolais. Yeah. yeah th- were, like, they decided to, to, like, go back to a natural style so they could just drink more. Right. They were like, ah, these damn chemicals. Right. They right. are right. making my, my next morning very sad. It makes perhaps a we, story. Yeah. Yeah. Perhaps we make a wine with no sulfur. Right. They didn't want to deal with all the right. headaches in the morning. Right. So. Only the French could be like, we will design a wine that we can drink more of. <laughs> Low in alcohol and... Do people come in? Because I, I do feel like when I talk to natural wine with people that don't know a lot about it, they're like, I've heard that there's no hangovers. Like, is that true? Like, what, what is your take on that? Like, if someone comes in and asks you that. Uh, yeah, comparably to something that you're going to buy from Trader Joe's, yeah, hands down, sure. like, you, there's a noticeable difference for sure. sure. In your fucking face, Trader Joe's. Shots fired. I'm so <laughs> glad when people take shots at Trader Joe's. It fills my heart with so much Do grief. they have a brand wine? Uh, TJ's brand? Yeah. They probably do. They have a brand everything. Right. Yeah. I think here and probably Night Margaret's Hong was the first time I ever had that kind of aha moment, eureka moment of drinking a wine that totally changed my life. I think uh, it was a Pinot Doni, the Patapon here. That's right. Yeah. I distinctly remember that. What was uh, what was your moment? Uh, was it was it Ten Bells in New York? Was it something else when you realized like, uh, oh, this is I see what's going on? No. So at the other room in uh, Venice, uh, I had a rep who worked for Kermit Lynch. Okay, that's a wine importer, very big. Yeah, out yep. of uh, Berkeley, and uh, Kermit actually imports a bunch of the Gang of Four uh, winemakers. Okay, but. Uh, the rep, I was like, what do you drink after tasting wine all day? And he had this uh, Beaujolais, this Morgon from uh, La Pierre. Right. Yeah, and once I tasted that, it was just, you know, that, that fucking juice. Yeah. It, that fucking juice. <laughs> yeah. It there was, is something about it. I mean, I, I, I know, you know, some people are skeptical, but I, I do think they're, beyond the taste, I don't think I'd ever been like energized by a red wine right. before I had natural wine. Like, you know, like in college, I drank shitty wine. And then in my late 20s, I would, you know, I'd buy like an $11 bottle of organic Malbec that I would get at the liquor store. I'd be like, oh, it's organic. Like, this is good, right? And it was like fine. Right. But it was like, it's heavy. You know, it's like, it's I, don't think, I don't think I ever had, first of all, I never had a chilled red before here a song. What? And I, and I think I, I had never had a wine that like, I'd never been refreshed by a red wine. And I think that's a very specific type of satisfaction yeah and when you get that from a red wine you're like oh this is like totally different than any other red wine experience i've ever had i don't think i ever had gamay you know i I wasn't drinking nice beaujolais in college i mean i think it's entering you find an entry point to that world and then there's so much to discover yeah yeah and that's very much how it happened for me after i had the uh the lapierre you know, I just went down the rabbit hole, and that was sort of sort of my first love affair with uh, Gamay, and then... It's so good. Yeah, and then I found out about all the chemicals that were added to wine, and... It and is kind just, of crazy that we have this FDA system where all yeah. foods need everything labeled, and it has to be prominent, and then you get to alcohol, you can do whatever they want, 
It's like, where is our alcohol labeling system? What the, the, our system is fucking garbage. It's terrible. For people that don't know, um, industrial wine can have over 70 chemical additives without more having, than, more than 70, yeah, without sure. having to disclose anything. A lot of these, uh, you know, big industrial concerns use milk and egg whites and clarifying agents and mega perp and, you know, crazy fucking chemical additives to achieve a consistent industrial product. That's very stealth shelf stable, you know, which makes sense when you're a massive industrial producer, but it's also like, if that's the only thing that you've had. And then you had wine that's like a living fucking thing in the bottle. The difference is night and day. Yeah, a lot absolutely. of people don't like it though. When they go from that. Well, see, here's the thing. Now that I think natural wine has become a fad, and it's like, oh, skin contact, orange wine, blah blah blah. I think some people will be introduced to it where they're like, oh, try this. It's natural. It's funky, and they'll get some funky wine. They don't know how to pl- process it or put it in a proper context, and they're like, oh, this is weird. It kind of smells like barnyard. I don't really like this. And then that kind of taints them. On the whole world, because like natural wine is an entire universe. To say that there's one specific taste profile or characteristic is obviously no, silly. There's a whole spectrum, yeah. For sure. So I, I think I have had people like, oh, I tried natural wine. It's not for me. It's like, well, right. that doesn't really make any sense. Yeah. It's really more of a philosophy to approaching the the farming and making of the juice, a low intervention, uh, you know, a philosophy yeah. of low intervention and letting the land speak. That is, you know, and it's not all about the funk either. Exactly. You know, there's t- there's tons of natural wines that are clean and pretty sure. and elegant, and you know, I, I think it's very limiting to pigeonhole natural wine as like, oh, funky barnyard skin contact, man. Like, that's not for me. So I, I think there's a lot there. You know, if people are down to explore it and and not be narrow minded, I think there's like so much to fucking see. You know, I'm sure that's like part of like the fun in in the job that you have here is being able to talk and to talk to the customer and to kind of like change their mind if they're skeptical or to just show them something like super rad that you're like really stoked on that they might not normally have getting to go to like, you know, maybe like a psychic or uh, or like Silver Lake wine and just picking out a bottle from there. Absolutely. The, the conversation is uh, key and the most fun part, but uh, for the most part, everybody that comes in comes in with an open mind and nobody's really that skeptical. No assholes. People, That's the policy here. Right. Do you have a bouncer at the door and be like, mm, I don't like the cut of your jip. You're wearing, you're wearing plaid shorts. Get out. Well, it, that is interesting. I wanted to bring this up. For years, you guys never had a guard at the door. And now right. on weekends, now you do. weekends, you do, right? Got to keep that wine riffraff out. Did something happen? Uh, been People, a get People get People get rowdy. Actually, Wasn't there, there, there was a shooting like, just down the, yeah. uh, I was this past Carl Friday. Okay. My eight, ears to eight the ground. There you go. There was a right. Echo Park. You know, shit can, shit can happen. Yeah. Uh, 7 Eleven on Rosemont and Sunset okay. is. Shit can, go, shit can go yeah. south very quickly. <laughs> they were at a White Claw. Like, people right. were That's probably what it was. Yeah. It, was, it, was, it was a White Claw riot. <laughs> there was a White Claw riot. Guys, the, White, the White Claw riots are coming, and it is going to tear this city <laughs> apart. It's, gonna, it's like Terminator. <laughs> like That's what like, riot, has the machines rise up. September 28th, 2019. Some, the some White Claw became seltzer. sentient. <laughs> <laughs> so, I mean, it is funny, though, because... Something I've noticed is, you know, this is a this is a wine and beer bar. There's no liquor, right? And after Dodger games in Echo Park, you'll have these roving groups of drunk Dodger fans, right? And I've I've noticed it so many times where a group of drunk fans will come in and they'll be like, oh, "There's no liquor, it's just wine," and then they'll like turn around and leave. Right. But I've also noticed Dodger fans coming in and having a great time no, and drinking in. some delicious I th- wine. I think, I mean, I don't know. I've never had a beer here. How many beers do you have here? A good amount. Uh, yeah, actually. about 10 on uh, tap. Yeah. All right. So Solid beer and have, cider selection. So do you yeah. have like a double barrel IPA to satiate the needs of like <laughs> no. your, your some work IPAs day. on there no. though? Specifically for the reason that you're <laughs> <laughs> alluding to. Yeah. Keep the douche keep, factor keep, down. Yeah. Keep the river. Go to 7-Eleven oh, if right. you want that. You got a double, right. Bro, you got a right. double IPA, bro? There's plenty of double IPA. What is the Double IPA equivalent of the wine world. <laughs> uh, wine with a cigarette just thrown right in it. That's got to be uh, some Napa cab, you know. That bro, I like it oaky, bro. Yeah. Yeah. I, na- I, like, I like a nap right. cab, bro. Right. What do you got in the nap cab territory, man? It's been double oaked. Yeah. Well, you, you, you have know, a double oaked You know shard? what's funny? Like, in the 90s, apparently, the, the in thing in California was buttery shards and super big oaky cabs, oh, right? Still, but I still feel big, like baby. that's going to come back around. You, you know it's going to. It's, and so, like, in wine three years... Wine is not linear, bro. In three years, all the, all the cool wine people will be like, yeah. yo, it's all about that buttery shard, bro. It's already starting. It's already starting, right? Uh, yeah. Re-accepting of butteriness. There is... White Zen is making a comeback, so, yeah. Finally. <laughs> but like, I do think in the context of natural wine where it's like, oh... 
Yes. Your shitty white zen that we all are used to, right. that's bad. Right. But what about this white zen that we've made like really well in a conscious manner to highlight what makes zen good instead of some gross shit from New Zealand that tastes like fucking bananas or something? So it's like, <laughs> yeah, I'm open to trying some delicious natural white zen. Let's do this shit. We will try some. <laughs> good. What are you? What are your, some of like your moving from working for someone else to founding your own bar is obviously a major thing, a major step. Anytime you're opening a business, especially in the food and beverage world, but just in general, that's a hard step. Talk us through how your mindset of going from managing and opening bars to being like, I want to do my own thing. Yeah. No, uh, the hunger has always been there. Okay. It's been gnawing. At yeah, you. for sure. And uh, sort of being trapped on the west side and, you know, wanting to... You come. were living in Venice and, and working at the other room at the time. Yeah, yeah, exactly. And uh, I'd, I'd been living in L.A. a couple of years before I came to the east side. And I was like, oh, this is where, you know, all the interesting things are happening. Right. Because you had come from New York. Yeah, this is where Venice all the... is cool, but it's like, Venice right. gets yeah, old, yeah. man. I was like, this is where Venice all is the like cool a small kids town. Are. Venice is a small town. You got to get out of there. Yeah, so it always wanted to be entrepreneurial, you know, for the longest time and just everything sort of coalesced. Uh, the other room kind of imploded and uh, yeah. What we got, we're in the bar right now, so there's comings and goings. Yeah. Uh, what do you think your first, um, what was the first place you came to? We're talking early 2000s here when you opened other room? 2005. 2005, okay, so yeah. A lot of shit was popping then in, in the, you know, cocktail, cocktail revolution was happening right. kind of in L.A. Yeah, the, for the first time. Just Everyone under, started putting on suspenders and growing out exactly. handlebar mustache. It was when <laughs> it every was bartender time, looked. Sure. Well, I mean, everyone had to look like a 1930s cobbler. Yeah. The, the varnish hit like a year yeah. after we Seven opened Seven Grand up, opened in so 07 and right. Golden Gopher yeah. opened in 06, I believe. Right. So those were downtown kicking off places. Right. So what was one of the first places you came on the east side where you were like, oh, I want to be on the fucking east side. Fuck Venice. Probably saw uh, like rent prices back then and was like, oh no, totally. Right. Little joy. <laughs> really? <laughs> I saw a guy get stabbed over a pool game. Yeah. So how and much, I was like, this is where I want to be. So, so follow up, how much cocaine did you do at the Little Joy? <laughs> Enough, baby. Yeah. Enough. And then they rebranded and it lost its charm, you know? Right. But yeah, yeah. in terms of like actual cool Some places Some kid to was wine. actually doing that at our table. Some guy I didn't know just sat down and he was just at the Here? table. Oh no! Sure. At little, little, at little yeah. Oh yeah. yeah. There was there was like there was like a Guatemalan cockfight in the corner. Sh- you know? dude. I saw a guy get stabbed. Actually, get stabbed over a pool game, and right. I was like, "Time to leave." <laughs> little Joy was fucking wild back then. They were playing Appalachian music on a Friday night at what? Like nine o'clock. You never know. Fuck yeah! <laughs> you never know. That was it. Was wild shit. So how did you, how did you finally end up settling on Echo Park? Because obviously, you know, L.A. <laughs> It's expensive. It's hard to find the right venue. I mean, this yeah, is yeah. such an ideal spot. This is a great spot. It is. And this used to be another shittier wine bar? Correct. Okay. <laughs> that was the place I actually never went. But right. what was the process of finding the space? Uh, well, I was already living on the east side at that time, and I knew that I wanted to be over here. And uh, this was a space that uh, a lot of people had passed on. Really? And, uh, it seems so prime. Yeah. They just wouldn't let them open up the patio in the back. It is, it is a ballsy move to open up a wine bar inside the space of a former failed wine bar. Right. <laughs> They're like, oh, you couldn't do it? <laughs> well, 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 well. To be fair, I never went to City Sip, RIP to a real Wait, one. Wait, was it called City Sip? Yes, it was. Well, that's probably why. It looked why. fucking terrible. That's probably why I didn't have a hip, cool name like Bandini. <laughs> By the way, what the hell is that? It is from John Fonte's novel, Ask the Dusk. Arturo oh, Bandini you got is it. a classic L.A. protagonist. Uh, you know, a lot of people well, talk you about know Bukowski. I don't read. <laughs> Joel's and illiterate. It's a sore subject. <laughs> we don't like to bring it up. But the menu, look. the menu at Estrada is all pictures. So right, we're like a exactly. Denny's. You know? point, like, point to the sandwich you want. Point. We'll put it in. I just mash my hand on the screen. And there's a Bandini family too. I don't know if you guys have been on Bandini Boulevard. Yes, I've down seen that. Uh, Vernon. Yeah. And one of my delivery drivers said there was a Bandini gang too Ooh. from that area. So you're protected. A, a tough yeah. Vernon. Yeah, so you're, yeah. So you're yeah. protected. So you don't want to mess with those warehouse district gangs, dude. You dude. don't want to fuck with Vernon. They'll get you. There's like seven people that actually They're live there. Roll up with a bunch of forklifts else. and fuck you up. <laughs> <laughs> so you have two business partners. 
Yes. So how did you come to form this alliance? Did, were you like, I, I'm opening a bar. I got to find some other guys. Did it, did it come together naturally? They married off their children uh, to each other. Right? Exactly. Dowries. They, they worked at the other room. And so, yeah, when that uh, situation sort of imploded, we all just banded together. Shout out to Josh. Shout out to Michael. And yeah, started hitting the streets looking for spaces. Damn. That's, I mean, it, that's a leap. Yeah, four year, four months after uh, the other room, we signed the you know we signed the lease here. Four so. weeks, four months, four months. Yeah, so you really just went right into it. Yeah, what was the part that you did not expect about opening your own business? Because I feel like that you it must have just been a fucking nightmare at some yeah. time. Yeah, uh, no, and it was. Uh, even though we opened up in an in an existing wine bar space, pushing it through the city was just yeah a nightmare. The city it does not make anything easy. Took us another two years just to get the doors up. Oh, yeah. Going through all the licensing. Yeah. Yeah. That's, that's, it's such a tall task to have to go through all that stuff because it's just like so ultra specific. Yeah. And like, and it's also really annoying. And you're like, I just don't want to do this today. I'll deal with it tomorrow. And then two years later, you're like, oh, cool. I get to finally open my doors. This is great. And it's not, you know, there's two other uh, business owners I know that are going through that right now. And obviously a bunch of business owners who have gone through it in the past. Sure. it's just ridiculous how the city of LA makes it so. It, it is seems for weird for for, for people that up. don't know. Yeah. The city of LA is like notoriously difficult in terms of permitting and all this stuff. A perfect example is we're sitting here in the bar and there's this re- amazing deck outside that you guys have had built forever. Coming soon. Coming soon. The Bandini deck <laughs> coming this fall <laughs> in a world where Bandini's had yeah, a yeah. deck for three years. You're spot on with that. And they haven't been able to use it. You guys have literally had this deck forever and because of the city. So here's my question to you as a business owner. From my perspective, outside the industry, I feel like the city would want all the tax revenue that comes with issuing alcohol licenses and allowing businesses to grow and do this shit. It seems like the city constrains everyone in a way that's like counterintuitive because the city, they they want to make money. Why is it the NIMBY factor? Is it pressure from neighborhood councils? They're not staffed. Their offices aren't up to date. It's a bureaucratic nightmare. Yes. Think of Kafka the castle. It really is. It's like 15 different departments, inspectors, red tape, up your ass. Yeah. There's one uh, DOS computer that the whole office is working off of. And just Manila folders flying everywhere. Jesus. It's insane. And think about how much money the city makes and they don't put any of it back into the, right no you know, yeah, updating streamlining is not an yeah option this for is just what a fucking nightmare and and the you know the civil servants themselves in these systems they can't fucking do anything right like sir this looks like a very nice deck i, I wish I, I, I could, they're not motivated and they don't care they don't give a fuck yeah exactly like that's the thing nobody cares that's yeah. the biggest problem mm. is that nobody fucking cares mm. it's like care. the dmv right there's gonna be somebody else right behind the next person so you know right. what's why do they the care rush? why do they fucking i care? mean you imagine Imagine standing in line. Imagine just like watching a line pass you by for eternity. Oh it must be way worse on the other side. That's why they don't give a fuck. Oh boy. Well, bring them a bottle of wine. I next mean, look. Time. Like, I, Here you go. I will right. say, you got through all of it. You're four years in. That's an achievement in any food and drink situation to be open four years. And I feel like you're going stronger than ever. Yeah. Uh, the the patios uh, forthcoming, and I'm continuous continuously seeing new faces mm-hmm. come in here and uh yeah it's going strong what what has changed in the last four years of like you know you're like a, you're a part of this like wine community maybe even more specifically the natural wine community of los angeles like what have you seen grow and change in that community that like is exciting for you uh i guess more venues up opening up more people becoming aware of it just watching sort of these little uh, seeds kind of germinate in sure. LA and uh, just the community, the wine community or even the natural wine community in LA is so generous and warm and uh, it's a good time to be a wine lover in LA right now. Absolutely. Yeah. It's a, yeah. Well, it's like, I mean, we talk about this on the podcast all the time. It's, you know, it's an amazingly exciting time to just be in LA and be a food lover and, you know, a lover of food and beverage. It's a great time across the board. It's a great fucking time across the board. Sports are great. Right. Wine is great. <laughs> Don't bring sports into this. No, I have Talking to. about food and beverage. Because, because food and beverage go hand in hand with sports, That's true. man. People are happier when your sports teams right. do well. Here, here's when we know. Here's when we know natural wine will jump the shark when you can get it in Dodger Stadium in like 15 years. Dude, you, dude it's going to happen. Is it? It All will right. happen. Well, I'll say this. I've never happen. seen natural wine in an airport. 
and I was flying from Berlin to Copenhagen, and I land in Copenhagen, and I have some time, or no, it was in the Berlin airport, I think. I can't remember. It was all blur. But I remember walking past a wine bar in the airport, and they're always shitty, and then I look on the shelf, and it's that winery from Santa Barbara, Sandy? Oh, yeah. Rajat Paris yes. thing? Yeah, yeah. And I was like, I'm in wow. fucking Northern Europe. They got a Santa Barbara fucking natural Chardonnay, I guess it is. Right. Uh, and I had a glass. I sat down at the bar in the airport. I was they like, pro- give me a glass. That was fantastic. They probably found it in somebody's carry-on, like right? That was left behind and they just yeah, put it up exactly. on the shelf. We found this on the, uh, the baggage carousel. <laughs> but yeah, I mean, I was like, because I always think, when am I going to be able to drink natural wine in an airport? And I, and, I, and I did it. Right. I fucking did it. Gotta yeah. bring it in, baby. When's the Barbandini LAX? <laughs> I feel like every successful restaurant has like an LAX fucking... Right. They open there and they're like, it's Cantor, it's an LAX. And you're like, I guess, okay. Is David Chang in there yet? I, I no, don't know. He's, no, he's not in there yet. LAX is a fucking nightmare. <laughs> I, I fly out of Burbank exclusively. I'm a Burbank I, boy. I mean, now. I try to as much as humanly possible. I know, it's you so much better. You can't escape LAX, And you know LAX, that man. Burbank is the home to the only Guy, Guy Fieri, Fieri property in Southern California. I mean, he does have... Have a highball lounge, so Burbank ooh. is Burbank Airport is Flavor Town. It is ground zero for Flavor Town. <laughs> it is the only Flavor Town we have. Wow. Sometimes I go there and I'm not even flying anywhere. I'm like, <laughs> I'm just here for the sandwiches. Like, sir, you can't be in here. This is a security area. I'm here for the nacho I'm, pulled pork I'm here sandwich. For the highball like, Guy Fieri's highball lounge. I need to make it to the valley more often. Clearly. Um, what uh, what do you what do you have on the horizon that you're excited about? I mean, we're we're, we're going forward here. Um, you know, we're reaching the holidays. Oh, well, you're pouring me another glass. I think that's uh, great. The patio opening up. Okay. Uh, patio. Big news. Coming soon. Amy Atwood, uh, one of our beloved uh, Love Amy. wine importers Shout out in to LA, Amy. is going to be celebrating her tenure Annie Dang. here uh, next go. month. When's that? Plug that. Uh, open to public? Tickets? <laughs> Bouncer yeah. outside? Just open to the public? Uh, it is, for sure. It'll okay. be, uh, I don't have a date with me, okay. but uh, November. Stay tuned, folks. Yes. Well, you should, in fo- November. you should follow them on Instagram for sure, because if you're not following them on Instagram, you're missing some of the best stories in the game. <laughs> I love the idea, because you obviously are here during the day. Yes. You, you do the stories and promoting the new wines right. and then, the, you know, update the That's the when the natural bottles. light is here. Yeah. So, I mean, I, I just love the idea of, like, you posing bottles on the bar, getting the right angles, because all your bottle shots, I mean, they're top bottle shots in the right. game here. Also, I wanted to talk a little bit about uh, you guys just had a very nice spread in the Times, the Los Angeles Times. Yeah, yeah. It was a feature. Shout out to Jordan from uh, Sprudge. Shout out to Sprudge Wine. And um, it was a really interesting thing about keg wine. That was kind of the focus of the story. Right. Because you guys have um, a set of taps for mostly California wines. Eight. Yeah. Yeah, Eight taps that are mainly dedicated to California wines that are uh, in wine kegs. That's and then right. you have an extensive bottle list of you know imports. Right. So the, the, the thrust of the article was kind of like, look at this cool kind of uh, symbiotic relationship between these small producers and this cool wine bar. Because they, you know, they might only make a few of these kegs. Right. But they know that they can sell it to you. Right. So they have that financial stability to be like, let's try some weird shit. Yeah. How did uh, you get into the keg game? Uh, just through uh, talking to winemakers, um, my first experience with it was at father's office really god he was ahead of the game man i think a lot of people don't realize that father's office was the first gastropub in america that's insane right now gastropub is just you know standard right i mean he Um, chili's is a gas when he opened that what was early to early 2000s the first one in Santa Monica? Uh, yeah. 2006 was in Santa Monica. It's ground, and groundbreaking. City was it's like still the best business model. It's like you order from the bar. The food's amazing. The oh, burger's right. amazing. They have great... No substitutions. They have great... Right? Yeah, no, no fucking... Ketchup. No ketchup. Fuck you. Right. They have great beer, great wine. Yeah. I mean, they have liquor. The food's so good there. I mean, that, that's like my idea. I haven't been in a very long time, but... I, I've only been to the Culver City one recently, the la- but... The last time I went was like two years ago with you. Right. I always get that smoke deal with smoke the poached egg. Smoke deal was good. Oh, you get, you get so the peppers and goat cheese is really nice. good. Uh, the duck confit. But yeah, so Phenomenal. you're saying uh, he, was, he was a leader in the, in the keg Yeah, line. so sort of when I saw that... Because uh, it was from a small producer out of uh, Santa Barbara. Um, that's when... I had the idea that that would be a nice lead-in to be able to talk to winemakers and have a relationship with them. 
instead of, you know, just buying their wine from a rep. Like I could have a dialogue with them and direct from the producer. Yeah. Cut out the middleman. Yeah. Yeah. And maybe explore, you know, ideas that they have and support, uh, experiments or, well, uh, give a shout out to some of the, uh, some of these guys that you work with. Yeah. Uh, Dan from, uh, DuPunks. DuPunks uh, is a winery that I discovered here through you, through actually the tap. It, it's, it's two yeah. guys, two guys. Uh, one of the first couple of winemakers who started to supply me with a whining keg and were very receptive to it. And yeah, their whole keg program is just kind of blown up. Um, Tony Katuri, same thing. Shout out to Tony. Yeah, I just got his uh, hard uh, pet nat cider. That cider's fantastic. <laughs> Gag, I don't know if you've tried it yet. I have. I yeah. was here the other night yeah. drinking that. And I just think it's awesome that I can email Tony. And he's like, oh, send you a cake tomorrow. Or, you know, this is what I have available. Yeah, outside of, like, the exciting time we're talking about in L.A., I feel like, you know, statewide, California is, there's so much cool wine shit happening on a larger scale and also with these smaller producers where they're yeah. just like, I have a fucking storage unit and I fucking make wine in the Central Valley or something like that. Right. I mean, it's like, uh, it's, a, it's a good time for wine, baby. It's a good time for wine. I, you know, being in Europe for a couple of weeks, it was like, you know, very cool to see all the, the what's going on there. But there's something about California. There's just like an energy that's involved here that's... You know, it's it's hard to replicate anywhere else. Oh, it's a very exciting time to be uh, drinking wine in California, uh, too, with uh, sort of the cultural shift and a lot more smaller winemakers making wine. And in L.A., you know, we're going to see a lot of uh, urban wineries open up in the next couple of years. Shout out to Angelino Wine Company. Yeah. Um, Jasper. And uh, Yeah, I mean, they're making, that's L.A. fruit. That's L.A. County fruit. Yeah. That's uh, first time in 100 years. Yeah, uh, he's a little behind uh, San Antonio, but uh. <laughs> right, right, sure. Ah, everyone's favorite. There's like I, I love that wine for our, for our non LA listeners. There's like some old ass winery that's like been around forever, but it's just terrible. And uh, well, that was the thing that I learned. Uh, you know, we've had uh, Jasper and Amy on the program, a top ten guest, I would say, and uh, they're they're kind of hearkening back to this wine heritage that existed in LA in the early 1900s. But I think a lot of people don't know about because obviously Napa and Sonoma dominate, you know, California wine in terms of the national conversation. But like apparently, you know, L.A. was the epicenter of California wine long before those northern regions. And it was like, you know, the original seal of the city had grapevines. And it was like this is, you know, wine can come from here. It did. And it can and it can can again. Right. And yeah, it's it's uh, bubbling back up again for sure. Uh, all those streets down there in uh in Chinatown mm-hmm. were named for uh, the first winemakers who were really? here in LA where they had the, the vineyards. LA History Corner. Yeah. With Jason Peugeot. <laughs> no, everybody should definitely go uh, check out uh, Jasper at uh, Angelina Wine Co. down there in uh, North Chinatown. Yeah. His tasting room is open and uh, yeah, a uh, great guy and very knowledgeable about the history of winemaking in LA proper. Hell yeah. Well, four years. I mean, what what do you see what do you see you know for the for the next year where do you want to be in at year five a year from now uh another doing another podcast in your bar during the day where we're like <laughs> yes. we're back for yeah. a yearly update at the uh, second location hopefully oh yeah okay well clearly Bar-ba- barbandini venice but there's something <laughs> we have to find another literary character to name the bar after right I like I, I, I like I that though. It, it ties it into a, an LA tradition, which I like. It's hard to name a bar. Did it you, is. Did you and your two business partners go back and forth? Came up you, with a list of horrible names. Naming is the hardest part of a band. Yeah. An improv group, a restaurant. Naming is hard. Yeah. But when uh, when Bandini hit, like I knew that was it. Like you have to go through fifty to sixty, and then yeah, something I just feel like, like pops out at you. Yes. Six. Like. So it's like having a startup company, you know? You just, you just gotta, it's all about the name. It's all about we the We need name. something like Cutco something or zippy. Edgecom. <laughs> Cutcom. Something. Well, I mean, it's, it's, uh, it's been a pleasure, you know, kind of discovering a world of wines here and uh, drinking here. And I, I think, 
you know, Joel lives in Koreatown. He doesn't come here as much as I do. Right. I don't think many people do, but <laughs> you have really created like this little community and like everyone who works here is cool. Yeah. And like everyone who drinks here is pretty cool. Except for that one person. Except for oh, we just won't name Char- it. Always Charles. There's always Charles. Charlie. Right. Fuck out of here, bro. No, that's, that's made up. Um, <laughs> no, I just want Bandini to be a local. That yeah. was sort of the impetus of this place. Yeah. You know, not to be like the first natural wine bar or... Right. Like just to have, be a cool place. Have that to come. written like across your front. The first right. natural wine <laughs> right. bar. Right. Famous Bandini. Right. The right. original maybe, wine maybe bar. Maybe in 10 years, you know, we can do a. Uh, when you're yeah. just wearing like white t shirts stained with like red wine on it, and you're just like, what do you have? Well, it, it will be interesting, though. Like, you know, think about what we'll be from four years from now. I feel like everywhere we'll have natural wine, and, and I'll be like outside of some fucking new nat- natural wine bar. I'll be like, I used to drink a Bandini when it was the only fucking option. You don't even, you don't even know, bro. You don't even know what it was like in 2013 or whatever fucking year it was. And you will get mad respect. What do you yeah, know no, about the mid-aughts, bro? You right. don't know shit about right. the mid-aughts. People will say, wow, he was wow. around with Bandini. They're just all drinking White Claws still. <laughs> yeah, exactly. White Claws just taking over. the Just the taking list. over. There's yeah. claw bars. Well, this was with before the machines the, uh, flying around. Yeah. Yeah. This was before the Seltzer Wars of 2020. The, the Terminator and, uh, is serving. The riots. Yeah, the, the, the Seltzer Salt riots Wars, of 2020 right. destroyed large swaths of the city. So, you know, it changed the landscape. You laugh, man. But when it happens, you're, <laughs> you are going to be left shaking. When, when the, bo- isn't that what took the Mayans out? <laughs> yeah, exactly. The, the hard Seltzer riots. <laughs> the priest class were hoarding the hard seltzer for themselves and the and the, the people surfs. actually don't know that white claw started in spain and then they brought it over here <laughs> oh boy all right well i think we're at the end of the road here they called them um, Cla- clockistadors no you're done <laughs> shut it down that's when we know we're done uh, Come on, we have drank in most of this leader that was great uh jason thank you for joining us it's been a thank goddamn so, pleasure for having me if I- you haven't been to bar bandini you live in los angeles you're fucking, fucking up, up. You're fucking up it is a fantastic place to hang out and drink or, you know, have a glass, have a bottle, bring a crew. That's the thing. You can bring Get a crew. Olives. You bring Get a date. This is like the hottest date spot man. in fucking Woo. Echo Park. You come in here on a Saturday night, it's like Tinder Central, baby. <laughs> yeah. Everyone's getting it. Yeah. And it's dark. You see people making out the candlelight. Ooh, Nobody leaves know. alone. Nobody, Nobody leaves alone, baby. Leaves alone? Oh, wow. It's LA's uh, Echo Park sexiest bar. My wife LA's is not first natural wine alone, bar. Um, it, it is a... Uh, you know, we always talk about how it's very hard to manufacture like a certain atmosphere or a vibe. You know, some places just feel contrived no matter what. But this always has felt the opposite. Like, it's just good. I appreciate that. It's just good. Um, Every time here has always been great. Follow Bar Bandini on Instagram if you don't. And uh, stay tuned for that Amy Atwood 10-year anniversary thing. That's right. That's very exciting. Coming November. Uh, follow us at YapPod. That's Y-A-P-P-O-D on Instagram. You can follow Joel at Joel David Miller. You can follow me at Carl Hess. And, of course, follow at Amuse Bouche LA. We'll be releasing tickets for the next one in October. Who's going to be cooking there? We don't know. We're going to find out. You got to follow Adam Moose Bush, though, or you're not going to know. Um, Maybe as it's fucking Stonefire Grill. Maybe I it's TGI Friday. Maybe I'm roasting a whole lamb. We, we don't fucking know. Maybe uh, Francis Mallman will be maybe there. Maybe Francis Mallman will be there. Well, definitely. You, know, you, you don't know what's going to happen. Did you talk to Croner yesterday? Uh, I talked to Croner. <laughs> okay. Uh, you know, in the works. Ooh. In the works. Um, did, 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 as did, always, did. go on iTunes, leave a review. Leave a rating. You got to do it. We're out here basically working. My mom base, bases her like happiness of me on that. Do not disappoint Joel's mother. Yeah. People, Joel, she's, miss it. She's not proud that I miss own a it? business. She's Mrs. proud of all Miller's the Miller's happiness is at stake. Do not fucking fuck around. She Go on to, there. She wants to glow to her friends. Exactly. So, please. You know, they have that. over 75 reviews on the iTunes. Did you know that? My mom sounds nothing like that. No, that neither does my Jewish mom. But I love, I love an old Jewish... Yeah, you know, he's very popular on the SoundCloud. He's very... He's my mom's more of like an oh my kind of like oh, lady. Hmm. Oh, oh, oh. Oh my. Oh, so how is uh, it? Well, I think we're going to crack open a few more bottles here. But Jason, we thank are. you so much. Thanks for, um, thanks for being it, here. Thanks for being here in your own business. Yeah, exactly. Thanks, thanks for, for, thanks for letting awesome us patron. drink here during the day. It feels good. Oh, and he just dropped a bill. Okay, that's... Oh, I God. Time, oh, I, I didn't even go. know. Um, I'm going to put my head under the tap right now. Uh, thanks for listening, guys. As always, we'll be back next week. Go eat something delicious.